It's ten times the terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. Not okay. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm Gwen. And I'm Paul. And I'm James. And on today's episode of Ten Times a Dare, to start off October and Halloween, we will be talking about the Salem Witch Trials, but also mainly the A24 film The Witch that kind of plays on all of those ideas. Just to give a quick rundown of the Salem Witch Trials in the U.S., in Massachusetts, it was only from 1692 to 1693, so just one year. Dad will probably chime in, but it was kind of piggybacking off of the very end of it really just being a huge phenomenon in Europe, where tens of thousands of people were being accused of witches and burned alive for like like, like 100 years, right, Dad? Yeah, by, but that had pretty much subsided by the middle of the 17th century. Right. The the you have to the Salem witch trials is a real aberration because yes. um, as a, as those were going on, Boston and uh, the other other areas in New England uh, thought the people in Salem had gone crazy. Exactly. It, it, it's it's very you know it's it's totally atypical of of the period. Right. But it's, it's but it's you know I think you can compare with like the um, the, the witch hunts under. Uh, McCarthy, you know, in the early 1950s, localized but very intense. Right, which the crucible was kind of reflecting. But just to give a quick rundown of what happened in Salem, this is on the Smithsonian um, Magazine. More than 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, um, mainly from the devil, this idea that you were signing your name in a devil's book, and kind of any black cat or raven or any associations like that just became um a lot of that came from this weird phenomena 20 people were executed all were hanged nobody was burned in salem and eventually the colony admitted that the trials were a mistake and compensated the families for those convicted but since then the story of the trials has become synonymous with paranoia and injustice and it continues to beguile the popular imagination more than 300 years later so that's what the Smithsonian's just kind of saying in an overview. It was this witchcraft craze. What was interesting that I didn't realize was a lot of the accusations were coming from very small children, um, mm-hmm. like 10 and under, which seems like a very unreliable source. And I didn't realize that when these uh, accused witches were on trial, you were allowed to have spectral evidence, which was witnesses just describing harm that was to their spirit that had been inflicted on them rather than something tangible um apparently a prominent minister named increase mather had told the courts not to admit this evidence because obviously it's just made up right like how are you going to testify about your spiritual attacks or whatever but they did they ignored him so just it seemed like it was a lot of girls in their 20s and under it was like if you didn't have children or if you weren't married or if you were impoverished it was like a lot of obviously you know kind of um attacks on women which we see even now in iran like right now um but just some of the tests which we were kind of joking about with monty python but the swimming test which is where 
You bound a, 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 an accused witch with their wrists and ankles, drop them in a body of water. If they floated, they were guilty of witchcraft. If they sank, they were innocent, but then drowned. <laughs> so yeah. these, and, and then another one was a weight test, which witches were supposedly very light. So courts tried to weigh them against their weight of the Bible. And when the accused did weigh more than the book, the, like the physical Bible, the court simply issued another test to find their guilt. So it's like, of course, a person's not going to weigh the same amount as a Bible, but it was these ridiculous, it was literally monsters on Maple Street, mass hysteria, like you said, Dad, in this little pocket of Salem, which now I think we all focus on because it's just so odd. But I want to then now hear whatever thoughts Dad has about this, but then move into the film The Witch and how this kind of plays into that, because definitely. All of this is inspired with the witch film and um, and also just to note the crucible and and hocus pocus and like hocus pocus 2 which just came out which focuses on again salem and witches and how this is become a huge um inspiration i guess you would say for film and literature and all of that yeah well there's you you really have to be careful to keep it in a historical record because a lot of this is just um popular ideas that are, are are not accurate. I'll get to that, talk about the view of Puritan in a minute. But um, again, what you're citing here, Gwendolyn, is important, but it's limited. You gotta understand, Increase Mather's son, Cotton Mather, supported the Salem Witch Trials. And historians have noted from like things he'd wrote himself, that he had doubts about his own faith and doubts about Christ. And he kind of had this bizarre uh, backward thinking idea that, well, if you can find evidence that the devil is real, then God must be real. Hmm. So, and because he was, the Mathers were a very respected pastoral family, but Cotton Mather got caught up in this whole thing about trying to work out his own doubts. So he read those onto the whole Salem thing. He was like the the religious consultant, the expert, you know, kind of like like you'd have in, would have had an expert. He would have been the von Helsing kind of figure. Yeah. But he's trying to work out his own his own doubts and and, and insecurities. So he plays an enormous role uh, in all of this. And yeah. And um, contrary to his father, who, as you said, dismissed this. And New England by by 1690 was a, a fairly populous um, colonial area. Certainly Boston was. And we know those people all thought that, you know, Salem had gone crazy. Of course. You know, we know different from where we are now. Now, I have to get in here, too, to say you have to make a distinction between the popular misconception of Puritans from the historical record. In other words, we can't base our view of the Puritans on the Crucible and the Scarlet Letter. Those are, you know, kind of highly specialized fictional accounts written centuries later. The use of the term Puritan uh, needs to be examined very clearly. Uh, the negative idea of Puritan, meaning somebody who's uh, a teetotaler, very straight-laced, moralistic, judgmental, uh, sexually repressed, that image, that comes from not the 17th century, that comes from the 19th century in England. 
when the term Puritan was being used by liberals about the conservatives of the time. The, but we're talking, well, if we're talking about 19th century Victorians, that's a whole different thing than 16th century Puritans. The Puritans wrote erotic poetry. They had parties that would go on for three days at a time. Uh, they drank rum at their church session meetings. Uh, yes, they were strict, but they also came out with, with concepts and things that we, we hold to very dearly, not the least of which is the whole idea of the freedom of conscience. Uh, you know, which come, and they're up, up against, in the 17th century in England, up against um, first James I and then Charles I, who believe in the divine right of kings, that you can't have mm -hmm. any views that are different from that of the kings. Um, nobody wants to go back to, to a, that, that kind of period of history. The other key thing that the Puritans are very important in is the development of democracy. And in the um, in their town hall meetings, we see just the you know the very beginnings of of a sense of democracy. So the um, the popular view of Puritan really comes from a polemical term that was used incorrectly in an historical sense in in Victorian England in 19th century Victorian England, which you know was very repressive. But you can't read that back into the Puritans of the 17th century. Yeah, well, I'd even read somewhere the conception even of all Puritans wearing like plain black dress was inaccurate, that they actually wore very colorful clothes and that actually black was like a very expensive color to have. So you'd only be wealthy, you'd only be really wealthy if you were black. But we we depict them now as very plain, all in like black and white, you know, which apparently was not accurate at all. Well, you think of. Think of something as basic as the um, that we all get a kick out of the Thanksgiving episode of Cheers. Yeah, uh, Diane is wearing that exact kind of an outfit. It's a black outfit. Yeah, just a, a, a white. So um, first thing to note in that is 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 that uh, the popular conception of so-called Puritan is very often uh, quite wrong historically. Well, it almost sounds like that kind of inaccuracy almost kind of ties into the sort of like mass hysteria and sort of like. You know, judging things incorrectly, and I don't know. That's sort of how I'm reading that. Yeah, it's you know, it, the, the the official end of the Salem witch trials is when the governor of Massachusetts, no less, shows up and orders it stopped. Well, didn't he order it stopped because his wife was accused? Then he was like, "Okay, enough, we're done." Yeah, right. We're we're, but I mean, well, and if it, you know, here's the other sad part: if it hadn't been for Cotton Mather reading in, you know, his own doubts and insecurities, it might not have never have gotten going in the first place. Right. It definitely took on this life of its own where the people of Salem just, they went into like a frenzy of, of fear of the devil and everyone making pacts with the devil. Um, well, it, but, yeah, and it is, as you said, it's like the Twilight Zone, the monsters have landed on Maple Street, you know. It just feeds yeah. on itself. Yeah. But it's totally divorced from reality. And I'm curious, was all the stereotypes from Europe in terms of like witches eating babies and black cats and, and all these superstitious things that we tie in with witches now, were were they just kind of 
how was that all even how did that all even come about even like the goat being associated with the devil and like all these different things that are not really biblically related yeah i think they 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 go back to the, the middle ages and they come out of fear and i think one of the things that you'll see um developing along well, with the, the concern about witchcraft are the plagues yes and uh, they you know they would think the plagues came from the devil or the people you know were gotten sick because somebody put a curse on them but it, right. it come out of that, that kind of fear um we've just come out of a pandemic okay but picture yourself in the 1400s uh where people are dying from the bubonic plague and uh, you have you have no concept of medicine as we know it and you know why are these people getting sick and you place in your fears well you know the devil's got them right Oh, you said, yeah, it's an easy answer to a difficult question. But also kind of going off what you just said about how, like, we didn't, they didn't have the, you know, medical advancements to really kind of understand this is like, that's where when you kind of don't have the science, that's when you have the superstition and that sort of takes over as the defining answer to these things. Yeah. Right. Well, that goes back to like the Greeks and, and people sacrificing people for crops and, and stuff like that, you know? Exactly. It's, it's you know it's interesting that the Puritans also uh, were among those who were um, promoting the use of, of of vaccines and inoculations against uh, like smallpox and other diseases. So they were forward thinking in a lot of areas. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, who was one of the greatest of the Puritan preachers and and was president of Princeton, wanted to set a good example by having a getting vaccinated for smallpox. Unfortunately, he, he got the smallpox and died, right? Oh, geez. But they were, you know, uh, they were in many ways uh, a very forward-looking, you know, community. I mean, they, they, and they founded Harvard and Yale and, you know, later Princeton. Uh, they also were, were responsible for bringing kind of classical learning, you know, to the new world. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the, 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 again, this popular image of Puritan is not accurate at all. But again, it is accurate in the sense that the name Puritan was used as an as an insult uh, for the conservatives in the Victorian period. So that that part that that was true. You know, they said so they would just dismiss these conservatives. Oh, you're 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 just a bunch of Puritans. Well, they weren't, but you know, it was a way of putting them down. I understand. So on that note, I want to segue into the film The Witch, which is not directly Salem, but it definitely plays on all of this. Um, The Witch is an A24 film that came out in 2016. It was written and directed by Robert Eggers, and it stars Anya Taylor-Joy, who now we know has been in a lot of films and horror films, too. But um. It was it was available to stream on Netflix, but I believe now it's available to stream on HBO. Um, James, I remember when you saw this movie and you told me about it, and I was too scared to watch it, so I did not watch it until recently. <laughs> and I will say it was very scary, very disturbing, and very scary. But um, I found it interesting. Well, Gwen, funny you should say that because I remember I saw this in theaters with Dad. Yeah, it came out. I, I believe it came out like early part of 2016, like maybe. February, March, but I think it had like a festival release in 2015, so it kind of had buzz. 
But I just remember, I remember after it came out, it did not do well at the box office and got a C minus cinema score, which is kind of what like the audience said because people said it was not scary enough. I think people were going in expecting jump scares and a lot of like craziness, and it's much more of a more kind of like art house kind of like slow burn. Um, yeah. But I agree, I think it is very kind of disturbing. I found that more scary because it seems so real. <laughs> you know, oh, what I, mean? <laughs> I agree. But also, we're we're going expecting something good, not just like a trashy, you know, jump right. scare movie. Um, but no, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad you liked it. I, yeah, I, I like this movie quite a bit. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Robert Eggers. This is his directorial debut. I think this really announces him as the exciting new voice in, in filmmaking. Obviously, yeah, Anna Taylor-Joy, her career has skyrocketed ever since this movie, and she's really shown herself to be this huge talent. Um, and yeah, I, I, as just like a pure kind of like horror experience, I mean, I love the setting. I love the attention to detail. Like it, just, it feels so authentic even whether or not it is actually kind of historically accurate but i just feel like i love the look of the movie the costumes and yeah it has this real like foreboding sense of dread and, and as as the movie kind of continues and and you get more of these kind of like accusations especially against um Anita joy's character thomason and whether or not she's a witch um it really has this really like foreboding sense of like dread and and yeah like terror yeah and Me. i what, what i liked with the twins the little kids is now reading all the stuff about the salem stuff in the beginning they're making all these jokes that they're talking to like the billy goat and like that they're the witch in the woods and seems like all this playful nonsense stuff but then it takes this very very dark turn which is kind of what the whole salem stuff was based on just kids kind of like wildly accusing grown people of things like up to like four-year-olds were like being called in as witnesses which is crazy to me well, well it almost it's like the urban legend of its time you know whether it's a like candy man or like anything mm -hmm. like that kind of thing right dad well, well, what i liked about it is it it makes it unequivocal that we're dealing here with the supernatural yes so uh and so it's not just it's not just hysteria or um i hope you uh you know you've got and uh, by the end when you hit the you know levitating and so forth it clearly is supernatural. Uh, you know, you have the baby who just disappears all of a sudden. Uh, you've got the little boy that gets gets kissed by uh, by the witch and then then dies. Uh, you got the, the black goat, you know, who attacks and kills the father. Um, it is portraying a uh, a you know a real view. Uh, in other words, they're right. They really <laughs> they really are. Right demonic forces here when you and when you end up in the woods with people are levitating you know yeah we're we're totally into witchcraft here right but i really liked something about like thomason's like journey from like the pure praying you know doing everything right kind of thing um and then when the baby gets stolen from her like that i thought was so scary but how like it is kind of like the families almost like imploding on themselves without the aid of the supernatural, I felt like. Yeah, I, I felt like it was as much like about like the family turning on each other and sort of, you know, again, like that Moss on Maple Sheep idea of like just right. accusing each other. And then that sort of like is what kind of allows the supernatural to kind of come in. Right. Like when he boards them in the shed, like nails them in for the night. I was like, he's just going to go to sleep and leave his kids like out in a boarded shed. But like, I just couldn't. I was just yeah. like... Well, one thing, you know, we, we don't, it opens up with um, the family being 
or the, the minister there being banished from uh, the community. Now, you're saying this is as early as 1630, then it's probably like Plymouth or something. But we don't know why that is. Um, and, 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 that, and the fact that um, when, when some of these bizarre things are happening, they have no, no outside resources to appeal to. They're really just utterly isolated themselves. And you know, we don't really know why that is. How, how, how did they offend the larger community that they're so completely cut off from them? Yeah, I, I just sort of took it as like they they're either questioning the the church and like the beliefs or or there there's some sort of there's some sort of conflict of of ideals or values of of some kind. But I, I think what I like about that and kind of like the whole yeah, like you said, going with the trajectory not just of Thomason but of the whole family is that I always kind of come back to the tagline for this movie, which is a New England folktale. And I think that that really rings true because this whole movie feels like this kind of cautionary tale, almost like as you're saying, Gwen, like the way like the the twins are sort of like joking about the witch, like this feels like the kind of story that would be told to kids, to generations, to kind of not just about witchcraft, but also like to scare them into not going to the woods or not abandoning, you know, not just your church, but also your community at large. Kind of like, here's what's going to happen to you if you make these kind of choices. That's kind of how I read the whole yeah. thing. What, what, how do you think uh, the, the thing about the baby? Because uh, clearly, you know, there's only a, you know, a second there where she's got her eye, eyes, you know, covered, and then the baby's gone. I mean, that I assume that's they're getting at that some kind of witchcraft thing. But it's, um, you know, there's there's not not enough time for somebody to come running out and steal the baby. Right. But shortly after that, we see we oh, see so we see the witch, yeah, with the baby, yeah. Which I yeah. I had to close my eyes. I didn't want to know what was going on. It was like uh, yeah, and that's really my assumption too. That you know, it is something totally supernatural that's happening. Well, and that's where after she, because clearly, the witch with the baby is very old and and um, you know, kind of very stereotypical witch looking from what you see. But then when the boy gets lost in the woods, she's very young and beautiful. I took that as she like ate the baby to gain youth you know yeah. mm-hmm. because that's like that's again that stereotypical you know right. even back to hocus pocus they have to like eat the souls of children to gain their youth and beauty and and all and, the ones we see at the end there are, are are all very young looking so that that would make sense yeah yeah it's uh and the whole thing there the um the black goat being kind of a you know, demonic figure there too black philip black philip i love black philip <laughs> you know, oh I, you God, know what it, it also made me think of uh, looking at it again here is a lot of the devil rides out i mean i was same, i agree you know celebration in the woods you got the goats the the the, the goat figure uh and people are, are worshiping and blood being poured out on their white robes and i and also stuff. i also got a lot of vibes of the wicker man yeah mm-hmm. like the dancing nude women and right right all that stuff and, and yeah it all it all has that kind of folk horror thing like animals yeah like rituals like you also have like right. the rabbits too like the hair right like is that yeah, supposed to be very superstitious? yeah. yeah. But, but what you have in the wicker man you know the rowan is now just a, ma- a march hair you know and at the end when everyone else was dead and she was by herself and i thought part of me thought it's all gonna like have been not real you know whatever like everyone died but because of like just their own mass hysteria and when the goat talks back to her i was 
like, oh gosh, it was so scary. Well, it, it's funny because like talk about you know A twenty four horror movies. Like another one that I also really like is um, Hereditary, and I feel like that's kind of similar too, where at at its crux, it's this essentially like a domestic drama about like a family being kind of torn apart and and accusing each other, and you have an actual real evil threat but it's more like about you're watching this sort of emotional sort of like downward spiral of the family which then allows the kind of evil presence to sort of take over yeah i mean you know you really keep echoing uh the martians have landed on maple street yeah you know it's just that it's just a self-created hysteria you know we don't know the reasons as to why they're they're expelled but you do see the father the way he's talking to um, the this board of of leaders or whatever, that he has this very like holier than thou pious attitude towards them, as if they're not doing enough or or whatever the conflict is, and then to find out so much later that he's the one lying about stealing the cup, he's the one lying about bringing the son into the woods, like he he really I feel like takes the turn of where the family falls apart because nobody can trust him anymore. Yeah, and you know the uh, the uh, Christian references are all um, very structured. They're like you know saying grace at dinner time and so forth. You don't see anybody in, in invoking a, a, any kind of a personal faith. You know, especially when you keep right. seeing more and more signs of the demonic. You know, um, right? James, well, you, you you did you did see um, blood from uh, Satan's claw. Um, technically, I saw half of it with you, and then we got yeah, interrupted that, by. The, the, <laughs> that fits in with this too, uh, but the ending of that um, with the uh, the great sword uh, is another picked up. Kind of like also you mentioned, or not? We'll talk about this here later. That horror hotel film, Christopher Lee, where I was uh, just going to bring that up. That I that's the most recent one I saw. It was alternately called City of the Dead, but that's another City one. Of the Dead, yeah. With, and that with, deals with, the, with a more modern sense, like a more modern setting, but yeah. showing the kind of like the sins of the past kind of come back, if you will. And and but the when they're dragging the guy's dragging the cross, uh, and bit by bit, it just all the demonic things are bursting in the flame. Totally, totally. But but you're right. In in going back to the witch, though, it's like whatever the actual reasoning is, the the father is leading his family away from the church. Like like so, it's like yeah, they really don't have any kind He's of not a, not a model of example of any kind of faith. You know, and there's, and, yeah. and it's like, you know, even in the, when in these there are these crisis moments, I mean, they're not really when the little boy, you know, is is dying, you know, being kissed by the witch, uh, you know, there's they're standing beside the bed, but they're not praying. <laughs> uh, where's the faith? And you're not just what's interesting too is like you're not just leaving, you know, the the. The community, the, the the civilization, you're kind of going into literally like new a uh, new environment where you are really out of your element, and and that only just shows itself as the movie goes on. Yeah, if this is 1630, also- it's very early, you know. I mean, it's 1620 is when the pilgrims come, so uh, you know you're just barely getting started with a, uh, a colony there. Yeah, you also have that crucial like conversation between the father and the son when they're trying to hunt where the son's just kind of reverberating everything he's been kind of hammered into him about religion. And it's all very like, I'm sinful related. It's all very much condemning and there's not any talk of, of 
salvation or forgiveness. It's all this, it's already all this like condemning, I have sin in me, kind of setting them already up to, to be open to these now evils. Yeah. And uh, again, that, that, you got to watch that because that, that, that can be over, overstated. I mean, they, again, um, it, certainly the, uh, the Puritans had this view of total depravity, the reality of sin. But they also had a very strong sense of um, of the power of grace, you know, healing and uh, and, and and forgiveness. Uh, you know, you got to be careful that you're not getting stereotyped. You know, you know, when Nathaniel Hawthorne is writing the the Scarlet Letter, he's not writing about uh, Puritan New England. He's writing about uh, 19th century America. Same thing, you know, Arthur Miller in the Crucible. He's writing about 1950s America, you know, those those are great works, but they're not good sources for the history. Right. Okay. Well, I think this was this was a good conversation about all of this. Um, does anyone have any last thoughts that they want to put in on all of this? I, I think this, you know, the kind of the spirit of Cotton Mather hovers over all of this because you know he he. he he has these doubts, and rather than deals them, he externalizes them and looks to try to solve them through the whole thing. And, and he actually promotes some of the stuff in Salem when you really read about his role. He's not a bystander, and um, you know it shows how much a, a, a bent personality can influence a whole community. Things we see in our own political life right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I obviously we pretty much spoiled all of the witch so if you haven't seen it sorry but if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth watching um and i i just like seeing these kind of historically set horror movies and especially with robert eggers you know he, he also has made the lighthouse and the northman which again are also um historical films like he clearly i guess has no interest in in setting things in contemporary times which i'm totally okay with um and i just i like seeing more of that so what i'm trying to say is i like robert eggers and his movies <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, well, this has been great. Thank you for listening to 10 Times a Terror. I'm Gwen. And I'm Paul. And I'm James. And we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to It's 10 Times the Terror. The podcast. One of my favorite films ever. (laughs) Let's do that for again. Thank you for listening to 10 Times the Terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10timestheterror.com. That's 10xtheterror.com.